Standby like use 2 through 33, sound 1A through 7 on deck. Standby Q actors. Electrics, kill the blue run lights, please. Like you 2 and sound 1A. Go. From Arizona Theater Company, this is Hang in Focus with your host, Sean Daniels. As someone that grew up in Arizona, it's a great way for us to share the work that we do worldwide. And featuring co-host Chanel Bragg. That is our responsibility, is to reflect what is going on in the world. Streaming live from the State Theater of Arizona. Let's do it. Let's really use this moment to re-envision our... Welcome to Hang in Focus Live with Sean Daniels. This is the new Arizona Theater Company. I'm just glad that you're here. On today's show, Sean sits down for a conversation with Chris Hamby. Producing Artistic Director of Theatre Works and ATC's own Director of Education, Christopher Mosley. Uh, let's go ahead and bring Chanel Bragg out to the show because the the best thing that has ever happened to our theatre in like six months is the fact that Chris Cross was playing underneath introducing the two persons. <laughs> yeah. I am the happiest. You should have seen my face. It was like beaming. That makes me so happy. So why was Criss Cross playing specifically, Sean? Um, because underneath because I jokingly said to you yesterday, <laughs> I was like, oh, we're having both Chris's. We should have, you know, it's, you know, it's Criss Cross, which to be honest, the majority of my references to our staff just kind of sail directly over them into like a Gen X plaid void somewhere. So, you know, the fact that you were like, oh my God, I love Criss Cross, we'll do it. And it happened. But I think it's I amazing. even responded to they'll make you jump, jump. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we can do that. So thank you to Alex Hollis, our fantastic stage manager that was able to pull that off. So thank you so much. Hey, so Alex is also being highlighted this week somewhere else, where is that? Absolutely. So we want to give it up to Alex as they are being um, celebrated as a part of the Black Improv Alliance celebrating 100 Black improvisers. That is huge. So that's a, a big shout out to our very own here at Arizona Theater Company. We're so proud of you, Alex, and the other spaces that you also reside as a total badass. That's First amazing. time I've cussed on, on uh, air. But you I are. Do it, I do it all the time. And then the staff <laughs> has to figure out what are, what are we going to do with this. Um, so, uh, but also, like, there's a ton going on. You have a ton going on also, right? I do. So I just want to say thank you so much, Sean um, and ATC, for your love and support in this new venture uh, with United Colors of Arizona Theater. We opened the last five years last week. Woo, 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 woo. And we have had some beautiful reviews. So uh, just like a big shout out to the community for really rallying behind us. And we have three more shows available. However, though, Saturday's show is completely sold out. But we have two shows available. That's tonight. You can still buy tickets tonight um, at the Scottsdale Center for the Performing Arts for our um, Spanish version of the last five years. And then also on Sunday for our closing um, we would really love for anyone that's interested to please come and support us. We can give them a lot of a big send off full of love. And if even if you don't know Spanish, I guarantee you, you will know and understand every single thing that's happening. That's all the feedback that we keep getting is that no matter what language they're seeing it in, if they see it in Spanish, that it's like resonating with them. They understand what's going on. Um, and oh, we got some really great. Uh, thank you so much for putting that up there. <laughs> Alex is right there ready and willing um so that's how you can get tickets or stream and thank you to the beautiful comments that are coming up on facebook i'm so glad that you liked it um and i do i do think it's a good show i mean i'm not just saying that because we directed it i'm saying it that access is important 
representation is important. And even if the show was terrible, I would say it's the best show in the world because it's doing both things. But on top of that, you get expert vocals. Um, and the biggest critic, to be honest, is my mama. And my mom is a good singer. And my mom left that performance last Friday saying, they can sing, Chanel. Every one of them can sing. And I'm like, mom, you just have no idea. And both casts are stellar vocalists. So it will not come to Tucson, Laura, but maybe, maybe one day as we expand in the future into yeah, Tucson. Keep, keep up the heat, though. Keep up the heat on them. Yeah, like, yeah you got to get down here. Yeah. Thank you, Sean. Now, Sean, we've also been busy internally. Yeah, so we have, uh, we are, what, what feels great is that we're beginning to work on all these shows that we're getting ready to produce, right? So mm -hmm. not only are we in design conversations for my eight-year-old boyfriend and Christmas at Pemberley, which has, you know, a huge Arizona cast, right, of local mm -hmm. actors, local designers, um, but also we had a workshop today of Justice, which is the musical about Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Justice Sandra Day O'Connor. And actually next week we start a workshop of Prue Payne, which by Stephen Druckmann, which we had previously announced, but now is going to be a part of our 21, 22 season. No, 22, 23 season. Yes, a little one. bit of a sneak peek. No one that's knows right. what that season is yet. So yeah. Yeah. Well, and and honestly, if we were, if it was the before times, this is exactly what we'd be doing, right? The summer before, like about a year in advance, we'd be doing it. We'd be making sure that our community gets to understand what the show is about. And so we're slowly getting back on track, which feels really good to be able to just, just to be in the room with artists talking about art and not calling them to be like, I'm so sorry, it's not going to happen. And then being like, yeah, I know I have the news. Uh, feels really wonderful and really exciting. And they're making big, uh, pieces forward. And one of the great things about Justice that I don't know that everybody knows, but like it is about Justice Sandra Day O'Connor and it is about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but it's also about a third character. And that character is played by Chanel Bragg. So Chanel Bragg is one of the three superstars that is going to be in it when it happens. And so not only do we get to honor the great Arizona badass that is Sandra O'Connor, but also Chanel Bragg. And so I can't wait. I can't wait to share all of that goodness with everybody. Oh, well, and, I, yeah. and I know you're probably thinking, what's the, what is the website I would go to? It's this right here. So yes, please visit our website. And also you want to see some cute things. We've been updating y'all. So our logo is new and you'll be seeing it pop up everywhere. Um, so yeah, we're just really grateful for all the wonderful changes that are happening as we prepare to go into our season. We're literally going into rehearsals in what, a month? August 31st is our first yep. rehearsal. So we are- so we are Just slightly over a I month. Know. We'll be back in the rehearsal room. Okay. I know. I know. Um, so I know we have two Chris's. I don't know which one is coming out first. So why don't you go ahead and introduce which one it is? Yes, we are so excited. So we were trying to think of like, what guests did we want to have on this week? And I was like, it's still really important for us to always do like a little bit of a community highlight. That's really important to ATC as we extend our platform to our friends and our brothers and their sisters in the theater community. And we were like, who has done an incredible job during COVID really like, I mean, the ultimate pivot. Um, and that is none other than Chris Hamby with TheaterWorks. So we're going to bring out Chris first, and then we're going to spend a little time um, internally with our staff and getting to learn a little bit more about our new director of education. But first, we have Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi, Chanel. Thank Hi, Sean. Thanks for, uh, thanks for inviting me. 
Um, thank you so much for being here. You know, it's such an honor to have you on. I feel like you have really been one of the leading artistic directors during this last year and a half, figuring out how to keep people employed, how to keep people entertained. You know, you set my wife and I up, but we came, got to see your show. We got to go through it. And it was just inspiring to see how you didn't just shut down. You figured out how do we keep making? How do we keep producing? How do we keep moving things forward and keep, right? the Valley as a leader in the country. And so I just so appreciate the work that you've done. Thank you. Absolutely. And we should show the public this beautiful work for yeah. contextualization. But I mean, it's been sold out nonstop for like the last year. So you may have seen it already, but here is a clip from Curiouser and Curiouser. Great. An ending is coming, Alice. Can you sense it? Time waits for no one, Alice. Believe me. What did it say, Hunter? It was an ancient voice, and it said that it means to come back to Wonderland. Rabbit, get Alice out of here and keep that stone safe. We're all counting on you, Alice. That is the coolest thing I've ever seen. That's amazing. So cool. Oh my goodness. Hey, so, so Chris, just walk us through how like, you know, you're doing regular programming, COVID hits. How, how does one in a visionary moment lead their organization from regular programming to that? You know, when the stuff hit the fan, uh, we are in a, a city building and the city immediately went to no gatherings of 10 or more. And I went, hmm, well, does that mean no theater? <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I, I just sort of reflected and was like, I, I have done immersive theater where it's been 10 people at a time. Um, as, a, as an audience person, I have never created that before. And so we sort of did a an asset inventory. We have a really cool space and we have a lot of kick-ass artists and designers. And so how, how do I use that to my advantage? And so um, I, uh, I, I came to our technical director first and was like, is this possible? She's like, yeah, you mean just like do a show? And, you know, I'm like, no, like the whole building. And so we've, we've taken over about 6,500 square feet and have turned all these non-traditional spaces into mini theaters, basically. A hallway doesn't have sound and lights, and so it needs to become a mini theater to, to be able to function. And so the, the whole team, I just am surrounded by amazing people here at TheaterWorks, and uh, it, it came down to trust. It came down to, I don't know what this is, but you need to trust me to get you there and trust from our board, uh, trust with my amazing partner, Kate Hinkle, to go, uh, I, I won't spend all of the money, I promise, <laughs> 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 to, uh, uh, to do this. And so, um, 
And we sort of landed on this Alice in Wonderland because I wanted something non-linear. Like uh, I couldn't have something that where characters had to repeat because no one could mm. be in the same space. And so sort of Alice in Wonderland became the the route we took because in the zeitgeist of the universe, you know Alice in Wonderland on some some level. And so we didn't want to have to s explain what Alice in Wonderland was. We wanted to explain what immersive theater was and, and this new sort of venture. So the Alice in Wonderland thing just really sort of worked for us. And we've been able to continue to tweak that and evolve it. And so uh, we've had three versions of the show. The first one last September and then a short one, a run of a Christmas version where we mashed up the Nutcracker Ballet with Alice in Wonderland. So and, then, cool. and then we are uh, our current production, Curiouser and Curiouser 2, which closes this weekend, was sort of my dark take on what that Wonderland world could be. And so when we close this weekend, we will have done 500 public performances. So it's, it's been kind of an amazing undertaking. Um, just to go, gosh, you know, we normally do theater where we do 13 performances. We do a three-week run, 13 performances. So, you know, making sets last and costumes last was just a major undertaking. But making sure we were keeping people safe, our actors safe, our audience safe was the number one priority. And we sort of found a genius way to socially distance people without you really being aware of it. But um, it was it was it was an exciting challenge. Now, how many rotating casts did you have? So uh, every character has two people in it. So there's two casts, except for the White Rabbit, who's sort of your guide through Wonderland. There are six, which we have lots of bunny jokes because <laughs> there are so many White Rabbits running around our <laughs> our building. So right now we're working with about 27 that actors. That is amazing. Whoa. 27 actors that would otherwise not have had work during a time where our industry was completely shut down, but yeah. you've been able to provide that to them. That's huge, Chris, truly. Thank you. Yeah, and everyone hates that P word, the pivot, but we're like, what What could we do? Immersive theater is something that's always resonated with me as an artist. I'm just really attracted to world building, like, you know, and we get to do that in a small way in traditional theater. Um, and so this really was something that's just been sitting in my head, I think, for a while. Not necessarily Alice in Wonderland or Curiouser, but what, what does immersive theater mean? You know, I... Um, we're really close to Sun City. The, the, the normal demographic of theater works is around right. 67 years old. That is, that is the normal age of our, our, of our ticket buyers. And so we know that um, what that demographic wants is different than what the younger demographic is searching for. And so um, what we've heard a lot in this is, oh, I don't like theater, but I liked this. And I was like, actually, you do like theater because this is theater. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you, you actually just enjoyed it just now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's been interesting to go, oh, this is theater also. This is theater too. And so to start to make people think what, what theater can be um, beyond just the proscenium. Uh, and that's been interesting for all of us to sort of explore that together as a, as a team and a company. Oh, go ahead. 
So oh, I was just going to ask for people that don't know, and they should, but can you just tell us like a little bit more about who TheaterWorks is in case there's anybody watching that doesn't have the full 411 on you? Sure. Uh, TheaterWorks is a professional community theater, 37-year-old organization housed currently at the uh, Peoria Center for the Performing Arts in Peoria, Arizona. TheaterWorks has sort of a rich history with so many amazing artists in the Valley. They, um, they started in a barn um, down on Thunderbird Road and from there moved to a strip mall to another space and then finally have been in the Peoria Center for the Performing Arts for about four, 14 years. Um, so just a, a pretty in, incredible organizational history that, you know, so many great artists have come through here and continue to be a stepping stone, I think, is what we hope we are, is um, that stepping stone to provide those opportunities to pass them on to ATC and, and Phoenix Theater and, and other other bigger organizations. Absolutely, and, and fun fact, my show, The Soul of Broadway, which was my very first production that I ever produced ever as a baby producer over 12 years ago was done at TheaterWorks. So the, the artistic director at the time, Robin really? Allen, was like, come on in. My doors are open. And we did, like, we shot our shot. And if it wasn't for TheaterWorks, honestly, helping me recognize that, oh, I can do this thing, then I, I wouldn't be where I am today. And that's and that's truthful to your organization. It's been really wonderful in helping young artists get started. Thank you. Yeah, there's a great, a great legacy. I... I have inherited a, a very strong organization that my goal now is to be the steward of that and continue to make it even stronger for whoever inherits it from me. And so now do you have plans to return? Do you know what do you have? Do you have a guess of what the fall may be or what it may look like for you? Yeah, we do know that the fall we will be, um, we close this weekend and then uh, in November we'll be bringing back our holiday iteration of Curiouser that will play through the end of the year. And then um, we'll be making uh, announcements on what the spring and the summer look like. And then in, I guess, 22, 23, we'll be back to producing traditional theater. Um, but at the same time, sort of exploring for our business model, what does immersive theater mean for us? Because it, it has been lucrative for us. And so um, can this be another revenue stream? Um, we're not going to everyone out in Facebook land. We're not going to be doing immersive theater forever. We will be going back to to more traditional theater, but hopefully this can be a branch of what TheaterWorks does, we hope. Great, great. Um, yeah, Chanel, do you want to yeah, take us to a video to see a little see bit more? We had a little bit of more information about the Nutcracker, Kirsten Nutcracker. Which is beautiful. Oh, look at this. Yeah, it's such a crazy thing. You know, last year I was thinking, gosh, I think the ballet is probably not going to do the Nutcracker for the very first time. And we've built this beautiful world that if I was a kid, I would want to walk through this and just, uh, you know, be on this mini Disneyland adventure uh, with those little eyes. And so somehow Alice in Wonderland and the Nutcracker married and it and it worked out really well um and it's it will come back uh and we'll get to do it again and so 
even though we're closing this week, I don't think anyone's quite sad, um, but none of us have lived with a show this long. And so um, it will be really interesting how we feel uh, come the end of the year, uh, you know, cause we'll add another 300 performances to this thing. And, um, and uh, you know, Usually it's a five week kind of thing. We come and go and, and, you know, like, are you sad when it's over, Chris? I'm like, no, I don't have time to be sad. There's 10 more, you know, in rehearsal. Um, but this one, I, I think I'm going to feel differently about um, just because it's been a whole new beast and just so much time with the show. So it's been, again, really interesting as a theater maker, um, to have provided this opportunity. And I look around at all the young people and go, man, I'm 42 and I'm doing this for the first time. What does that mean for you at 22? You know, what is this going to mean for, for you as you make theater in the future? So it, it's just all really exciting. And I hope there's somebody out there who wants to make immersive theater because I want to come see it. Um, make it and I will come. I will buy those um, tickets. I did I also have there. a question too. Um, two questions actually. So the Christmas show was a collaboration, I believe, also with with the ballet or I just want to make sure was it oh no okay so what no, you just had ballerinas there that you hired okay okay yeah. so I just didn't know if we went to name the yeah. organization um the other thing that was important to me because I love how diverse your show is I think it's important to talk about that um and for anyone that hasn't had the luxury of seeing the show mainly because it's been sold out um not that you haven't tried to see the show but what I love is that on all of the windows you see Alice of different ethnicities mm -hmm. throughout. And I loved how when I walked through the experience, of course, all of us played the character of Alice and we were all um, represented in that space. And that was huge to me as a person of color to just see a little black Alice on the outside of of, uh, of your doors and, and also to have that experience within your experience. And so because of demographic that you normally cater to in, you know, Sun City area is is a little bit different than now this whole group grouping of patrons that you may now have because of Curiouser. I'm just wondering, like, how has that influenced your future decisions right now that you have this younger base that has been, um, you know, contributing to your theater and then how representation is going to continue to be something important as you move forward? Yeah. Um, uh the first part, the, the demographic base has is, is been amazing. You know, we would have paid a consultant $50,000 to tell us to do something like we're doing now. And we sort of stumbled onto it by accident. And so we've, I think every theater, that's the golden ticket is how do you get younger people into your doors? And so uh, we now have them. We know where they live. We know how to reach out to them and contact them. And so I think before it may have been a risk to TheaterWorks to go, hey, we're going to program a show for a younger demographic and we don't know if it's going to bite. We don't know if those people will come. Um, I think now it will allow us to, to program those kinds of shows um, because we know we have access to them. And so right now we have them and what do we do with them? And uh, right now those are some of those exciting conversations as we have, we have this younger base, what, where do we move them on to um, with our organization next? Um, so that's really exciting for me. Um, and then uh, as, as far as representation, I think, I, I think it's always been important to me. Um, and I, and I, I'm, 
I appreciate the acknowledgement, but um, for us, it's it's just the way it should be, and so we should continue to 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 push that and and make sure that those conversations are happening. You know, it is a diverse world. Wonderland is diverse. Um, I I think theater works will continue to be diverse and and do what we can. I think we're still learning in that arena how to provide access. We're still learning um, how how to do it the right way. Or and uh, and I think that it's been interesting, you know, over the last year especially, um, to have those conversations because um, on on a on an organizational level. And so for the first time as a as a collective unit, um, I think our organization is on the same uh, same page, which is which is exciting. I think for for our future and the future of our work and who That's you awesome. will see on our stage. So. I think that's all fantastic. I think you're, you've been really visionary. I think you've had a lot of success. So I guess I'm, I'm just curious, like, who are you? Like, what is the Chris Hamby story? Like, how did you get to be the artistic director of TheaterWorks? How does one get to be a leader in the Phoenix theater area? Yeah, um, I, I guess in a nutshell, um, my love with theater started in high school. I was such a shithead of a kid. Like, I was just a bad kid and um, theater was the thing that saved me. I really had a teacher who was like, this kid has something and uh, you know, I would ditch school. She would come to my house and put me in her car and drive me. Uh, you can't do that anymore, I'm sure. But wow. like, no way, yeah. no way, not at all, yeah. She, she was there, Linda Phillips, thank you, you saved my life. Um, and you know, she made, she made sure I went to college, um, helped me do all of those things. At NAU, the first year, uh, I was like, oh, I've learned everything in that first semester of college that I went and started my own theater company because I knew I knew everything, right? Um, and so that, that sort of was our trial by fire, was like we learned so much about doing theater, but um, that's when I noticed how important that nonprofit piece was mm. to what I do. And so uh, that theater incorporated, become a real 501c3. Um, and then I was able to collect with lots, connect with lots of mentors. Um, Alan Pruitt, who was yeah. at the Cookie Company for many years at Phoenix Theater, um, David Saar at Child's Play. Um, uh, I bugged that man so much. I would just show up at his office and he would allow me the grace of having that conversation of whatever it was I wanted to talk about. And now I look back and go, man, when people just show up at my office, it just throws off my whole day. And I'm like, how many times did I do that to David Saar? Uh, <laughs> um, uh, I then went on to um, the Seattle Children's Theater to begin to be an education intern. Um, it was sort of my dream. I thought they were doing the best work. Um, and while I was in Seattle, I got hired to be the artistic director of the Phoenix Center Youth Theater at the Phoenix Center for the Arts. Um, and so at 25 years old, I was like, this is so cool. Um, I have my own program. I had my own theater like on site that I could go into every day. And that was really cool for me as a young person. Um, I spent many years in education with Phoenix Theater, and then Robin Allen left Phoenix Theater to come to TheaterWorks, 
and she brought me over with her. And so I served as the education director at TheatreWorks for five years, and now I'm going into my sixth year as the artistic director yes. of the organization. When were you at Seattle Children's Theater? What years? It must have been around 2002. Okay. Uh, the artistic director then was Linda... Hartzell. Yeah, Linda Hartzell, yeah. Yeah, yeah. amazing, so, yeah. You know, Arizona just has this amazing network of artists. You know, ATC was doing so much with Stephen Dietz who was in Seattle and, and Child's Play was starting to do that. Child's Play had a great relationship with Linda Hartzell. And I remember one day, Dwayne Hartford calling me and going, hey, Linda Hartzell's directing our next show and she needs a note taker and whatever restaurant job or whatever it was I was doing, I called out so I could sit in the dark and take Linda Hartzell's notes just because I knew that that was a relationship that I wanted to have in the future. And so um, it's, it's, I feel very blessed uh, that I've had so many people looking out for me and I hope, I hope now I am in a position to provide those opportunities for all of the people that come through TheaterWorks um, because it has just really made a difference in, in where I am. Uh, all of those little things that I did 100%. make up who I am now. I'm so glad to know that part of your journey. Um, when I got this job last year, it's been a year already, um, you were one of the very first people, <laughs> veteran, <Right>. no, <laughs> I'm still learning, but you were one of the main people that someone was like, you need to go talk to Chris. I go talk to Chris. Chris will be a good like side mentor to Sean or, and I was like, immediately your name came up like twice. And I was like, yes, of course. And I think I did. I think I like called you and I was like, Hey, yeah. um, about yeah. this new job, what should I expect? You know what I mean? And so I'm just grateful to you and who you are and the, the trails you have blazed and you have a wealth of knowledge. So just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, you know, when I got my job, I did the same thing. I called Michael Barnard and I was like, what am I, what do I need to know? Um, you know, and I replay that conversation, just those nuggets of insight that, you know, he told me his story for, for Phoenix theater. And I was able to, you know, use that advice and modify it to be my own and to my situation and this organization. And uh, I think it's helped us take giant leap forward in the last couple of years, you know, I think now that COVID is here, um, I, I no longer feel like this was someone else's theater works, mm -hmm. which I was feeling for a long time. And I'm like, oh, this is now my theater works. Um, this is mine and Kate's. We we get to make this our own. And and for the first time, I feel like, all right, we, we have put our stamp on on this and you'll be able to see where where that change happened i think in the history of theater works uh -huh. you can go oh when this happened that was a turning point when this happened it was a turning point and so now i think i think we're finally there to another one which is which is which is exciting and you know uh our stewardship uh, hopefully will continue to move forward and and move us um to 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 greater things uh in in peoria and and just as part of like a holistic, bigger picture theater community in Arizona that um, it, it, we have an ecosystem that mm -hmm. sometimes is disconnected. And I think when we can bring that ecosystem together, 
this is going to be the state where people are paying attention to. Um, we have the talent, we have the artists, we, we, have the, we have the infrastructure. We just need to build that ecosystem. And I think over the next five years, Arizona is going to be the place to watch. I agree. Listen, we say it all the time. So I'm, I'm glad that other people this is agree. Wonderful. Yeah. So we have a word that we have our guests share with us. Um, it's a word that resonates with you right now. It could be, uh, you know, something that's in your heart, something that's how you woke up today feeling or something that inspired you during this conversation. So what is one word that you would leave us with today? Uh, I think I think for obvious reasons, it's probably curiosity. Um, you know, we are we're living in curiouser and curiouser. But I think the curiosity is what is still driving us of what what does this look like? What does this mean? Can 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 we do this? You know, um, and so I think I think for me and for my organization, we're still very curious and um and uh, I think we'll continue to be curious and it's going to keep us from, it's going to keep us innovating and it's going to keep us using our imaginations. Great. Thank you. Oh, Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for being such a leader in our community. Thank you for everything that you've done. We're thrilled to get to spend just a few minutes chatting with you. Thank you both. Have a, have a great weekend. You have a great Chanel, closing. have a great closing. <laughs> have a good day, Chris. Thank Thanks you. for coming. Ah, uh, it's it's so it's it's so great to learn even more, and for for myself and for the bigger community, just about like all the great work that goes on here, right? That so right. often we don't lift each other up, uh, and we don't people don't understand really the depth of talent that is here in our community. Listen, I I can only say it so many times, and we've discussed this privately, and I'll say this in front of everyone too. It is really important that we change the ecosystem. Uh, our theaters need to support one another. Our patrons cross go to all the different theaters and we're only stronger when we're together. And I do want us to rival those big cities. I mean, we're the fifth largest city, so we're a big city, but uh, the perceived big cities in theater where there's a lot of buzz talking or festivals happening, you know, we can be that. We are. We have all the capability and all the skill and all the talent here to be, you know, you know, the state that everybody's watching in America for being, you know, the hub of theater. So I'm here for that. No, I, and it's true. And you know, when I first got here, um, and these people don't work with us anymore, but there was a lot of talk about like, what theaters are your competition? Right. Right. Which I feel like is the old mindset. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we we do six nights a year of performance. So are we are we really believing that the other... 359 nights of the year we hope people don't attend theater like it makes no sense makes right no in terms sense. of of what it is and it only right the more that people go the more they're excited about theater the better educated they are that's only going to benefit all of us and also we are missing right that whole level of you know like where do all of our actors come from stage mm -hmm. managers come from wig people come from right? right like we need to have a better way that people can make a living and be able to stay. And that's only gonna happen when we all work together to be able to raise rates that everybody pays. And that only happens when more theaters are successful. So absolutely, I, I, we have to do it. It's in all of our best interest to really grow what Arizona is. Absolutely. Well, speaking of growth, we have grown and we have a brand new team member. So give it up for Chris Mosley, come on in. Hello, Chris Mosley. Hi, thank you for having me. 
I'm going to let you formally introduce yourself and your new fancy title to everybody. Oh my gosh. Uh, well, my name is Chris Mosley and I am the new director of education here at the Arizona Theater Company. So thank you for having me. Yay. It has been like the most welcoming place. Like everybody I've met is like really excited to have me. So that's, that's nice. You, you feel like a superstar for, for, you know, just a moment. You're like, really? Would you like my autograph? Yeah. But no one's taking me up on that, except for Sean. Sean's Sean's got me. Um, so yeah. So let it. Who? So like, give us the story of how you're here, right? You have been in Tucson. You have been a superstar. Yeah. In Tucson. So well, I wouldn't go that far, but I will tell you that I grew up here, went to high school here, went to college here, uh, got my undergraduate degree from the University of Arizona. Uh, but then I left and went to California for 10 years. I was in San Francisco for a few years where I earned my master's degree at the American Conservatory Theater, worked a little bit in the Bay Area on the main stage there at ACT and uh, at Berkeley Rep mm -hmm. and a couple of other theaters there in the Bay Area. Then I moved to L.A. where I became the living cliche, the bartender by night, struggling actor by day. Uh, and uh, I got married, had a couple of kids, and then uh, we moved back to Tucson to be closer to family. And that's when my my whole journey into education began, because when I came back to Tucson, I didn't know really where my theater career was going to go. And uh, I started teaching, and I, I've been, uh, for the last 15 years, I've been working with Tucson Unified School District. I've been all the way out at Choya High School, where I spent five years. Then I ran two programs simultaneously, crazily, at Palo Verde and Catalina. And uh, then I've been at Catalina High School for the last five years. I also spent some time with uh, an arts integration program at Tucson Unified where I was on the design team. So uh, just a lot of education and a lot of uh, theater too. Learning how to use theater to help with education, which has been a unique experience. And why, and why the passion about education? I mean, you could have done anything, you're successful on multiple levels. Why dedicate yourself for so long to um, that specific portion of our field? I think Chris Hamby answered that question for us all, right? When he said that when he was in high school, he struggled, right? Until I, I started teaching high school, I didn't realize how important theater was to young people. Mm -hmm. and, and what it provided for them. And it's more than just uh, attention. It's about finding a home, finding people who speak your language, finding people that are passionate about the same things you are, and being able to guide kids through that process. Because Chris's story is so, so familiar to me. Mm -hmm. Everybody I run into, if I tell them that I've, I've taught theater or I teach theater, the first response is, oh my gosh, I took theater in high school. Mm -hmm. I had theater classes. And it's the thing they remember. They don't remember their math class. They don't remember their history class. But they'll always remember their theater class or their dance class or their choir class or their band class, whatever it is. The arts are so vital to these kids. I mean, that's how I got into it. I grew up in the inner city, um, 45th Avenue and Thomas. I went to PT Co Elementary. And because we were in a, a highly gang populated area, they created a theater club. So that way then we would have an after school activity. And so we did the House on Mango Street was my very first play. I played a tree and then we did Hamlet. And it was huge. It was huge. Did you play a Ford in Hamlet? What did you Well, what did no, you play? I was did only you move up in the props list of I didn't get cast in Hamlet. I was only good enough to be a tree. <laughs> so 
I, I only did the first show. Um, but my you could have at least played Yorick. It would have been great to see you as Yorick. I will remind. I will go back to Miss Peralta, my fifth grade teacher, and tell, <laughs> tell her to do that. But no, but but truly though, um, that was the first time that theater became anything to me, and it was because it was literally a program designed to keep kids off the street and out of trouble. Hmm. Yeah, and and your story is so common for a lot of my kids, and and just providing uh, a place where they feel safe makes them better learners in all their other subjects because they know they have something to look forward to. Kids have a reason now to come to school, like Chris was talking about. You know, I, I needed a place that I felt, hey, this is where I feel safe and this is where I feel comfortable. I can find that in my math class or my science class or my history class, but ultimately I'm really here to attend rehearsals. And that's fine because you're still at school and you're still going to learn. And, and if that's what we provide, then, then that's awesome. So what's, you know, we, uh, Jasmine Roth, who's our outgoing director of education, right? She was accepted into Carnegie Mellon graduate school, one of two directors that they accept each year. Um, and I know, which is, which is crazy. Right. Um, and, you know, before she took over, the, there wasn't a lot of structure to the program, right? So she took over, she started to build some things, she got hit by COVID, you know, the staff went down to just her in the education department. So you are essentially building it from the ground up, right? Taking the great things that she has done and building. Um, and I think that excites you, right? To be able to build something. Can you give us just a sense of like what you hope to build? So with all uh, respect to the work that Jasmine did. She's left a wonderful foundation here. So I like to think of it, you know, in the old days when they build a house in the 1700s and then the 1800s came along and everybody was getting fancy turrets. So you'd add a turret to your house, even though it wasn't really the style. I kind of feel that's what we're doing here. Jasmine's left a really good foundation for us to work with. And we're going to build off of that and make, an, and make additions to it so that it can grow. So my vision for the program really is uh, to create a powerhouse, a, a place where people seek to come to learn the craft of theater. Um, I think it's also got to be a place where we're developing new work for young artists, mm -hmm. giving young artists a voice and learning how to channel that newfound talent. You know, a lot of kids have this talent, but how do we begin to shape it? How do we begin to find their voice? Not telling them what to say, but really giving them the opportunity to discover who they are as creative people, even if they don't go into a life of theater. Being a creative person is super duper important. And I want to make sure that that ATC becomes that place that kids are uh, learning how to be that creative person. On top of that, I want to expose your patrons, our patrons, to the world of theater. How are we going to, how does theater get created? How are many people are behind the scenes? We, we associate theater with lights and sound and actors, but how many people behind the scenes it takes to create theater? So education isn't just learning about becoming a performer or a creator. It's also learning more about what I'm watching. What am I seeing? How am I experiencing this? And the more I know, the deeper I'm going to experience this. So the education department's got to be integrated with everything that Arizona Theater Company does so that we all are better educated as a society and, and all learning to become creative people in our own way. And that's important to me. 
Well, and you know, this is exactly the thing we talked about with uh, the other Chris, right? Is like, how do we build the farm team for us and everything that we want, right? Because A, it's a better business model for us. And B, like our community, adults, in addition to kids, deserve the opportunity to learn whatever it is they want about us, right? Like mm -hmm. you should be able to have adult learning and learn how to be an actor or an improviser or a director, right? Like our education programs don't just have to be focused on high school kids, right? It should be lifelong learning that we offer to anybody in our community who wants to do it. And at yeah, any phase. And be a, an analyzer of the art that I'm seeing. How am I, how am I experiencing that? Why am I seeing this? And what I'm seeing is touching me and why is it touching me? So we are, we are really developing that idea that we are all artists, all of us, not just the select few who decide to choose it as a career, but every single human being on this planet is a creator. And I want everyone to understand what they're watching so that they understand why it's affecting them. Yeah, you, you reminded me of that great quote, which I think about, you know, I have a three-year-old daughter where it's like, nobody learns to be an artist, right? People only learn how to not be artists, right? Because we all start out creative improvisers, you know, the amount of imaginary things my daughter hands me during the day, you know, show that like she's, you know, like her mind is running and ready and she's ready to be creative. And that just gets beat out of people, right? As they get older. Or we judge it out of ourselves. Mm. We think yeah. uh, we think less of ourselves that we don't have anything to offer, right? We start to believe that, well, I'm not good enough at that. I can't draw a perfect painting, right? So I don't attempt it because I'm afraid that it's not going to live up to the image in my mind. But if we take the time to be lifelong learners and learn that you can do that, you can most certainly do that. Stop letting yourself stop yourself. Not only do other people stop us, but we have a tendency to stop ourselves as well. And I think that's an important part of our, our education department is getting students in here and teaching them that it's okay to make mistakes, that it's okay to fail, because in that failure, we're going to learn each step to be better and better, right? So I think that's got to be one of our main goals too. I, th I think that's huge. I mean, I know that I didn't grow up with formal lessons, you know, vocal lessons or formal training. Everything I did was because of a school program or anything like that. So when I started going professional, I felt like, oh, I had to play catch up to a lot of the girls that have been taking. I was doing musical theater that were taking dance classes since they were two and kicking their face. I mean, I was literally learning how to dance like on the job. And so even with UCAT, I have found that there's just so many people that just don't feel qualified because what they do is what you said. They say to themselves, well, I'll never be that aside from the other barriers that actually exist like non-representation no access no practice right that's the other side but there's a stopping of themselves to even try sometimes because they're like well i just did that stupid play in church like that's not real theater and it's like but something about doing that play connected to you and made you want to do real theater you know, so how do you make those connections? And so that's why I'm excited about the programs that you're thinking about instituting. We're not releasing anything here, <laughs> you know, no news yet. Um, but some of the ideas that have been swirling around are really exciting to me, especially in by way of the adult education options. And also just like pretty much, I feel like everything you've given, I'm like telling everybody, but not telling, I'm vague booking right now, so I'm sorry. But, <laughs> but I appreciate that it's, it's the journey. 
I feel like you have a program literally for every type of student at every part of their journey along their on their process, which is huge. And that's what we've been, you know, wanting to grow toward. And so I'm really excited. And you just said a really important word, process. You know, we live in a society that's very product oriented. Even in the professional theater, we know we have to produce a product so that people come and watch us. But the advantage of, of young people's theater into high school theater, it's about the art process. How are we creating and understanding that what we present right. today is going to be different tomorrow? That's what's exciting about live theater. You go see a film. We've all seen Gene Kelly dance. That dance is the same because it was caught on film. But if you saw him do a theater show, it might be different every single night you see it. And that's what makes art so and theater so exciting is that anything could happen at any moment. We're walking this tightrope, right? And and knowing that that change is possible and that process is possible. And as a performer, as all three of us know that are in this room, I'm never the same on opening night as I am on closing. In that process. Just because I'm growing in that moment and understanding more and more. And I'm sure, Sean, as a director, you see things uh, in a show, or you, maybe six months later, you're like, oh, why didn't we do that? Oh, I didn't see this moment. I missed that moment. And that's what's exciting about this, too, is we're always living through that process. It never ends. Yeah. And I just think that's so exciting for us to think about, you know, the best theaters are um, community centers, right? The best theaters are places where people feel like it's right. not just a transactional relationship where I came and I watched six plays and I liked four and didn't like two. So I guess I'll come back. Like that's such a losing conversation, right? Like, but if they really feel like, oh, this is central and you can think about it in terms of right. like the number of jobs we provide or the economic impact, but even more so if you think about it in terms of like, this is where people come to, you know, like a library or a church, like how do you come to be a better citizen? How do you come to be a more empathetic person? How, what are the things that make our community, that offer our community ways for them to improve themselves? Like that's what we are. That's what I love about theater. And I think like the best theater does that even when it, you attend it, right? You leave a changed person. That's your hope, right? That's, that's all of our hope. Yeah. And it's our hope that uh, when you come see a piece of theater, especially at the high school level, it, it changes them on a fundamental level because they believe in themselves more, right? As, as a high school performer or a young performer that's on stage uh, who doesn't believe that they can do something like that, they do it, suddenly they have a confidence they didn't have an hour and a half before. And that transformation of a student actor is is the most amazing thing to watch and it's almost like you're you're a dad to all these all these performers right and as they do something oh you know it's like watching your child walk for the first time or they say their first words you never forget those moments and, and they're locked in my brain that's incredible well you know, as we're getting nearing to the end of our presentation today i just have to ask the scandalous question i need to know one thing you auditioned for that was a cliche in la your like funniest memory of your audition process okay all right so oh, uh, we don't do. we all have horror <laughs> stories about auditioning 
you know, it's like you said the wrong thing or you did the wrong thing. So I remember I was doing more voiceover work when I was in LA and this was in the early, you know, I'm dating myself for anybody who's listening. Uh, this was in the early days of computer, even before the internet. And they were putting together some science program that was like, you were supposed to be a computer scientist and uh, the character was in the computer and and I have this awful voice and I remember the guy telling me, can you try something different? And I had never been asked to do that. Not, not because I was so skilled at it, but I just stood there and I froze and I couldn't say anything. And I was like, no, I just said, no, you know, I didn't know. I was like 24 years old. I didn't know that you were supposed to come in with more than one idea. So I was just like, no. And then I walked out and it's just that moment where you're like, that guy probably remembers. Oh yeah. And that could have been my big break too. I think about that every day. I'm like, what if I had said yes, had a totally different voice then you and I would not be sitting here having this moment. But I just remember looking at the guy and just saying, no. Things happen as they they should. We're glad you're here. Right. Yeah. So, so you're welcome for me bombing that audition so that I can be here speaking with you today. And in another in another split life, you know, the universe went like this in that timeline. Down that timeline, I was the next Tom Cruise. I was going to be in Top Gun 3 and I was making, you know, 20 million dollars a picture. Yeah. So <laughs> that's pretty much what we pay you. So that's about the same yeah, thing. Yeah. Close. Very close. Very close. Yeah. Very close. <laughs> no, I mean, we, it's 20 million over three years. So it's a little different than what he's yeah, doing. We'll restructure the contract when free agency comes up. That's right. That's right. Uh, well, as you saw with the other Chris, we ask everybody for a word to where they are right now to leave with us. Do you have a word that you're thinking of? I do. And Chanel already knows it because Chanel and I had a, a, a great meeting yesterday uh, with another school here in town. And, and the word that kept saying, we kept saying over and over and over, accessibility. Making the arts accessible to everyone is the number one goal of arts education, right? Regardless of what your abilities are, as long as you have it in your heart, we're going to make it accessible to you. We're going to make it accessible to everyone. So accessibility is my word. And thank you, Chanel, because uh, that was developed through you. So thank you. And, and we're going to have lots more words, too. We're going to develop a lot more words. That's great. Well, thank you, Chris, for coming on the show. Thank you for joining the team. Everybody will get to see you in person. Thank you for everything you've done in my first. You guys, this has only been 10 days. Like, look at my wall. There's nothing even on my walls. That's how much we have to build, Sean. I know. I know. We'll check in in three weeks. It'll be covered. There'll be crazy notes. Yeah. That's right. Calendars everywhere. Excellent. Thank All you right. guys so much. Thank you so much, Chris, for coming on the show. We are a lucky, lucky bunch. I'm telling you, oh. they ain't ready for us, Sean. <laughs> they are not ready. <laughs> Well, but you know, it's just, it's such mm-hmm. a moment for the new Arizona Theater Company, right? It's like, how do we lift up other organizations? How do we make ourselves more accessible? How do we still keep right. that level of excellence we've always been known for, but really transform Absolutely. the way that we interact and serve our community? And that's that's what I think is, is thrilling about this moment. You're right. They're not ready. I hope they're ready. But <laughs> you know, we're coming one way or another. another. 
Um, but I'm just so grateful to be a part of this team. And I will say, uh, you know, as as a year here official, I mean, I good Lord, I don't know why I didn't even announce it all loud, but like yeah. being here just in reflection of the last year, everything that I've learned. I'm just so grateful to you. You've been a wonderful mentor and I've learned so much. It's just such an amount of short amount of time. But like Chris was saying about receiving the warm reception, you know, from us, I mean, I received that warm reception as well when I first got here. So, you know, it's only up from here. I cannot wait for our patrons to see like what we got cooking up for this upcoming season. And yeah, we're just, I'm grateful. That's my word today. You didn't ask me my word, but that's my word today. <laughs> Tossing it in. You're like, I'm tossing it in. That's where I'm adding yes. a word. Who cares? Oh, Why not? One thing. Excellent. I think well, we thank do you have to me. admit on oh. air that we may have to owe a certain theater oh. tacos. And let's not talk about it. Oh, yeah. All right. So we, we, we put something out, right, that we do owe yes. the Milwaukee Chamber Theater tacos. And it's on my list of things to do is, like, figure out how to send tacos. Because... Here, here's my hubris. I didn't think about how we would do it when we made the bet. I was like, they're gonna figure out how to get custard here. And now I, and now I'm like, no, I gotta, I gotta really figure that out. So, so we congratulations will. Congratulations we'll to Brent Hazelton yeah. and all of our uh, friends out there in Milwaukee. We appreciate it. Yeah. Now listen, that, it couldn't have happened to a better group of people. So we're excited for them to celebrate. And there's the thing I love, right? That here's the thing the NBA learned that I feel like the regional theater world should learn. You you can be a middle of the country market Absolutely. and be the leader. You don't have to be in LA or New York or you know the Bay Area. Like there, there are champions inside you know, Absolutely. intercontinental states. And I feel like regional theater is going to figure out what the NBA already knew. Any Heck moment. yeah. Well, and on that note, we're going to send you over to the call board to check out what else is going on in the community. Thank you, everyone. Great. See you all later. This is your call board for July 23rd to July 29th, 2021. Hi, I'm assistant digital producer, Alex Hollis, and thank you so much for joining us today. Rashawn sat down with Chris Hamby from TheaterWorks and ATC's director of education, Christopher Mosley. Be sure to join us next Friday, July 30th at 4 p.m. Arizona time for another exciting guest on Hang & Focus Live. Now let's hear from the Giving Corner. Take it away, development. Hi everybody, my name is Carly Elizabeth Preston. I'm the Director of Annual Fund and Stewardship. And with me is our amazing Director of Learning and Education, Jasmine Roth. We are here together to give a very special thank you to the Stonewall Foundation, who just recently granted us an incredibly generous gift of $250,000 to help us uh, get back to life for our 54th season and come back stronger than ever. Uh, Stonewall has been supporting ATC for over 15 years with its main focus being on our education programs, namely Summer on Stage. It's been incredible over these 15 years to have Stonewall supporting Summer on Stage in our education programs. Each year, our gift from Stonewall has enabled us to provide scholarships to more than half of our students. So that means the arts and specifically our art, artist development programs can continue to be accessible to all. Yeah, and it's really a wonderful, fantastic program. I'm an alum of Summer on Stage and it, it did change my life and has stayed with me. 
throughout. So Stonewall, thank you so much for the gifts that you have given us over the many years and the just amazing positive ripple effect that you have in our community with supporting the arts and health and education. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Giving Corner. All right, now it's time to find out what's happening at theaters around Arizona. Phoenix Theater Company is bringing us Pump Boys and Dinettes. This in-person event will play through August 22nd. You can check out more at phoenixtheater.com. Arizona Broadway Theater is bringing us Little Shop of Horrors. This event is in person until August 8th. Learn more at azbroadway.org. Now let's head down to Tucson. Winding Road Theater is bringing us their Winding Road Gala. This event starting August 8th is in person and also online. Learn more at windingroadtheater.org. Museum of Contemporary Art is bringing us the things we keep. Exhibition featuring selections from artist Olivier Mosset. This in-person event is available to view until September 5th. You can learn more at moca-tucson.org. ATC wants to take a quick moment to say happy birthday to our very own Chief Development and Marketing Officer, Paula Taylor. We so hope you have a wonderful day. Happy birthday, Paula. And if you enjoyed today's conversation, please tell a friend, pass it along, like us on Facebook and Instagram, subscribe to us on YouTube, ring that bell so you can be notified when we air live and to see our latest content. Have a great weekend, everyone, and we look forward to seeing you next week.